surrounded by her followers, her lieutenants, and by people who Tabitha Crimwell would have previously called her friends and neighbors. Cassandra was asking questions, and they were giving answers. Cassandra was giving orders, and they were hastening to comply. It made Tabitha sick. To Marcy Vandermeer, who stood right beside her, Tabitha said, It's like watching the tanks roll to Paris, huh? Marcy Vandermeer, preoccupied with wiping General Gunk off her two-year-old's face, needed a moment to realize she had been spoken to. What? she asked. The tanks? Tabitha repeated. You know, those famous pictures of German tanks rolling into Paris? During the World War? The second one? Oh, right, Marcy said. Those pictures. What about them? That's us, Tabitha Crimwell insisted. She had a point, she was sure. It was obvious and correct. She felt positive. Marcy did not seem to find it so readily agreeable. Are we? She said. Is that what we are? Yes, Tabitha snapped. Marcy was as close as she got to having a friend, but she still found the younger woman trying at times. That bitch and her ragged-ass crew came in here like a bunch of marauders, and now they're acting like they own the place. They killed our poor McRae. Wait, 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 wait. Marcy cut in. Betsy Overby killed McRae, not Cassandra and her people. Tabitha made a dismissive noise. Whoever actually did it, the fault is in that uppity bitch. We had a good thing going on here in this keep. We were safe. I guess, Marcy admitted. I mean, we were in that awful war for so long. And we were winning, Tabitha cried. We won. It's, you know what it is? It's fucking bad sportsmanship. That's what it is. That bitch lost. So she sneaks in here like a rat and cheats her way to a win. I guess, Marcy repeated. 
gunk had once more attached itself to her baby's face, like metal shavings drawn to a magnet. This was not the rousing support that Tabitha Crumwell believed she believed she deserved. Aren't you angry? God, Marcy, I am sick over this. Look, Marcy said, repositioning the baby on her arm. I'm never going to sleep in the penthouse, so what difference does it make who lives there? The man McRae, he did okay. I mean, he was a bit of a drama queen, you get right down to it. This chick, Cassandra, she seems okay too. All she's asking for is housing for her people, and there ain't a lot of them. And she wants help looking for some more survivors in the outliers, which, you know, seems fair, since we're the ones who blew up the outliers. But, <laughs> Tabitha, as long as the walls stay up and my kid gets to keep sleeping through the night, then seriously, what difference does it make? Marcy made to touch Tabitha's shoulder, a familiar gesture between them, but the older woman recoiled, her face a mask of fury. Tabitha Cromwell stalked back into their building. When she got as angry as she was now, Tabitha could not even take comfort in her own apartment. The one she had earned. The one she merited, goddammit. She could not take comfort there because she had a pest. She did not know exactly what kind of pest it was. While the Blessed Man McRae did an immaculate job of keeping his keep safe from the monstrous denizens that so often appeared out of the midnight desert. When it came to earth-based irritants like mice or rats or roaches, there was only so much anyone could do. Tabitha had never seen her pest. She knew it as a presence. It was the dishes being jostled in the rack when they should be sitting steady. It was the way objects that should by all rights be still were tweaked in their place from how she had left them. It was a blur of motion just out the corner of her eye. It was a feeling, a feeling that was at first easy to think of as only her own isolation stringing together unlike occurrences into a single narrative, one of infestation. But such paranoia always fades. This awareness only grew stronger. She tried to ignore it. Well, not ignore. Tabitha Crimwell was not one to suffer silently. She complained to everyone with the ears to hear it, including Mr. Tart, the man who ran the building. 
he'd come by, well, he'd poked his head in. Traps were set out, but they were always left empty. Tabitha attempted, in her own way, to grin and bear the irritation and the discomfort. At the very least, she grit her teeth together in a fashion that might charitably have been described as grinning. She became tense every time she walked through her own door, knowing each time that she would find disarray and disorder, knowing that the presence would be there, asserting its unseen but undeniable self to color her every action, her every feeling, while in her home, her place, a place that she had earned, that she merited. Hell, even after she'd taken Mr. Tart for a quick roll, he had poked his head in, she had lain awake in the afterglow, hearing ticks and taps that rankled like small pinpricks into her naked skin. Tabitha entered her place now, teeth grit, and at once felt that usual discomfort. Only this time, the blur of motion was not just in the corner of her eye. The small body sprinted across the living room and dove underneath the couch. Little bastard! She raced to the sofa and crouched down. Try as she might, she could not see anything besides the stray crumbs staying just afloat of the shag carpeting. Little bastard! She muttered again, just as a knock came at her door. Groaning, she got up and made her way back to the door. Mr. Tart grinned at her through the peephole. Tabitha groaned again and slid the door open a crack. What? she demanded. Christ, nice to see you too. Tart rolled his eyes. You this rosy to everyone or am I just lucky? I'm busy, Tabitha said. I don't have time for whatever bullshit you- It's not bullshit, Tart cut in. This is real, Tabby. Don't call me that. Tabitha, fine, whatever. Look, we're having a building meeting tonight, 8 p.m., front hall. Everyone will be there. Out of the corner of her eye, she saw the blur. Well, she couldn't see it that in no way detracted from the knowledge. Her fingers curled in a vice around the door. I don't give a shit about whatever community shit you're trying to do, Tart, she said. We're voting to decide if we'll let some of the outliers move in here, he said. The vice let go of the door. It relocated around her heart. What? Yeah, the new lady, Cassandra. She's looking for homes for her people, and we have plenty of space. The entire sixth floor is empty, so that is not the point! Tabitha exclaimed. They can't come here. This is our place. Our safe place. We were just at war with these fucking people. And do you want to bring them inside and sing Kumbaya? The war is over, Tabitha. And... No one really cared about it anyway. 
McRae cared. Yeah, well, he lost his voting rights when he got his skull bashed in. He was a great man, Tabitha. He kept us safe, Tabitha. If you have concerns, bring them up at the meeting. I'm sure you're not alone in feeling the way you do. All your friends and neighbors get out. Tabby, I said fuck off. The door slammed. She pressed her forehead against the cold metal. None of them saw. No one else understood. Her friends and neighbors, so-called, would Gladhand give away all that was secure and sacrosanct in the name of appeasement. They'd make her out to be the bad guy because she didn't let bygones be bygones. Because she did not accept that sin ought to be forgotten. Because she knew that she believed herself to be an immovable line of morality and good judgment. She was a fixed point. But now it was all going to vanish. These weaklings were going to eat her world out from under her. Termites making greedy short work of the process. Oh, she would make a stink. Bet your fucking ass she's going to make a stink. But it wouldn't make a difference. These young people, they didn't understand. They didn't take pride in things. They didn't know what it felt like to merit something. She'd raise hell, but she'd be outnumbered. She already knew. They'd elect for change even as she screamed that there was nothing wrong with the old way of doing things. They'd accept change, and there was nothing Tabitha Crumwell could do about it. Glasses tinkled where she left them to dry. Tiny steps pittered and pattered. But see, this here, she could do something about. She threw open a drawer, and in the next moment, she held a carving knife. First, she cleared every item and utensil off the countertop until it stood as shamefully bare as a shy virgin on her wedding night. The tiny thing was not there. Then she began emptying out her cabinets, and when that was done, she dumped the trays out of the oven and yanked the oven out of the wall. Tabitha Crumwell stood in a mound of her own accumulation, huffing and puffing. The blur, again. She flung the knife at it, but the blade only bounced off the shag carpet. She sprinted after it, sweat thick on her brow and her chest heaving. It darted into her bedroom. She ripped the drawers off her bureau and flung every one of them aside. She tossed the mattress over. She saw nothing at first. But then, within the mattress, 
a lump scurried. Frenzied, Tabitha buried the knife into the mattress. She drew it out, then stabbed again and again, then once more, and then again. She'd passed huffing and puffing and was now heaving and wheezing. She backed away, the mattress bleeding out. It was over, right? She'd done it, right? There was a barely perceptible plunk. The blur fled into her closet, zipping under the door. Fuck you! She screeched, flinging herself at that same closet. Fuck you! You can't! Mine! You can't! She whipped the closet door open with such force the doorknob dented the drywall on the collaborating wall. Tabitha swung and plunged the knife in every direction possible, but thirst continued unwetted. At last, she forced herself back. With one hand, she steadied the other. She drew in deep breaths, the way a drowned man drinks of the air. Her breathing grew calm. She allowed silence to take hold. Any second now, there would be a pitter and then a patter. Any there! With two hands, she thrust into the wall as if to find a faithless heart. The wall bled dust and particles. But tiny footsteps still echoed. Screaming, Tabitha Quinwell launched herself at the wall. She stabbed a half dozen times and only stopped when the blade broke off at the hilt. Even without the blade, she kept battering, the hilt now in her hand like a cudgel. There was no English to be found in the noises she made, only a kind of preverbal and thick foam. The wall swallowed her hand like a greedy mouth. She tried to yank her arm free with the same frenzied motion, but the wall held her, a pinch collar tight on an unruly dog's throat. Tabitha forced herself to be calm. Exhale, inhale, exhale. She decided the wall was probably so tight because she had the knife hilt still clutched in her fist. She let it go. Immediately, the wall's grip loosened and Tabitha began to slide her hand free. Warm fur and cold scales rubbed between her empty fingers. Tabitha screamed and tore her hand the rest of the way free. The jagged edge her fist had made in the wall cut through the flesh of her arm, wrist, and palm. She could only watch in stunned silence as ribbons of blood cascaded down, soaking through her socks to heat her toes. Through the haze of shock and pain, she felt warm fur and cold scales skittering up her arm. The tiny thing was creeping upwards, clinging to the torn flesh that hung from her arm like towels on a clothesline. Tabitha swiped at it with her other arm, but the motion was slow, and anyways, there were five arms stacked on top of each other, and she could not pick out which one was meant to be real. She opened her mouth to deliver one last fuck you, but the words did not emerge. 
The creature was grateful for the effort, though. For as her mouth hung slack, the tiny thing scurried the last of the way up and climbed eagerly into Tabitha's mouth. Again she tried to scream, but she was once again stumped. The creature's body in her mouth plugged up the sound and turned her skull into an echo chamber. No noise escaped her mouth, not even when the tiny thing began to chew through the meat of her tongue. Tabitha tried to stagger to her apartment door, but she collided with the bedroom doorframe and fell helpless to the ground. She waited to black out, but it was a long time coming. Only when the tiny thing began to inch down her throat was she finally, mercifully, allowed to die. The tiny thing curled up in its new home and relaxed. It had known that all it needed to do was be patient and the problem would take care of itself. And now it was warm and sated and it would be for some time. There had been knockings at the door, but they went away soon. It was not uncommon for Tabitha Cromwell to shut herself away from her friends and neighbors, sometimes for days at a time. The tiny thing had time now, precious time. Feeling slightly peckish, it took a bite out of the walls of its new home, savoring the juices. Who would have imagined that one so sour would taste so sweet. Yes, the tiny thing thought, this was the life. With something almost like tenderness, it ran a clawed paw over the meat of this new dwelling and thought, with no shortage of affection, mine. Hello, and thank you for listening to another new episode of Black Sun Dispatches, part of the Set of Punks podcast network. My name is Brandon Foley, and I write, produce, and perform the show. Set uh, Punks podcast network is host to a number of great shows, and the Set Punks website is host to a ton of great writing, covering everything from movies, to music, to culture, to comics, to, again, just kind of everything you could possibly imagine. So even if you don't like this show, I really do encourage you to go to cinepunks.com and find something there that you will enjoy. If you can't, if you go to Cinepunk's website and there's nothing there for you and none of it appeals to you, you probably just suck as a human being and you should, you know, deal with that at some point in your life. 
One way to make restitution, maybe, is to donate to the CinePunks Patreon, which you can find on our website, uh, and it's always open. Support for CinePunks programming, including the show, comes from Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations, a really, really cool online store that I really encourage you to go to and utilize for all your cool apparel needs. Uh, can't go wrong there. If you want to find out more information about Black Sun Dispatches, including when new episodes are dropping, please follow us on Twitter, at Black Sun Show. And if you want more information about me and my brain and just the things happening in my world, uh, you can follow me on Twitter, at the true Brendan F. Again, that's at Black Sun Show and at the true Brendan F. The music, as always, is Winter by E.L. Heath, and our Black Sun Dispatches logo was designed by Jennifer Rogers. The hope is to have the next episode out March 16th. Uh, I'm currently in the process of moving, so things might be delayed here and there, but that is the plan is to have another new episode on March 16th. In the meantime, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode, uh, as mean as it was at times. Sorry, I'm going through some stuff. Uh, and I hope that you will tell people about the show. Please rate and review it if you have positive things to say. And like I said, join us again in March for the next installment of Black Sun Dispatches. Thanks, everybody. Goodbye.